Hi, this is Patrick Reed. And Eric Blower. And this is Pulpit in Pew, uh, where we discuss how to be a Christian in the work world. And we explore collaboration and understanding from both the perspective of the person walking out their faith in a day-to-day postmodern work life and the perspective of the church-centric work life. We've been discussing some of the disconnects between these two perspectives in hope of building better bridges of dialogue, understanding, and action between the pulpit and the pew. And we're hoping to help equip both to speak and act uh, in today's challenging world. Last podcast, um, we we introduced ourselves in the podcast and we talked about some of the topics we're planning to cover over the course of the next several episodes. Um, Eric, uh, was there anything more you wanted to add um, after the last podcast? Um, maybe, maybe the fact that before I uh, became a pastor full-time, um, I was also a Christian in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So I was a Christian young man trying to figure out how to follow Jesus, serve God, impact people, influence people in my day-to-day world. In, and that involved uh, numerous jobs that were not in the church. So I have in a, a beginning history uh, up through my teens and young adult life where I was both sometimes pastor and working. Um, and so, so there's, there's some, some context, historical context yeah. part of that that I identify with the challenges. I think maybe the difference maybe I knew I wanted to be a pastor and yeah. I was called to serve the church. So I was maybe driven motivationally more missionally and ministry oriented in the sense of trying to get to that full-time place. And so I was always thinking about those things as my primary focus, even though I was wanting to be a good worker. Um, So there's probably some differences there. Maybe I was engaged in more things and more evangelism and more small groups and missions and things, even when I was working full-time that were connected to my calling, which maybe someone else wouldn't be as involved in Mm -hmm. just because of my gifts and motivations. Mm-hmm. So there's some differences there, but, but I definitely had plenty of time, uh, in those years to wrestle with this topic mm-hmm. and the frustrations of it for me being the limitations of being able to be as Christian in the workplace as I wanted to be uh-huh. versus when I was in the church and having that complete freedom. So there's some, some thoughts I think today that we can kind of poke around yeah. that have to do with that too. Yeah, and I I had mentioned a couple things um, kind of along those lines that I, I've done in the work world and what I'm now doing in medicine. Uh, I'd realized after the podcast, I forgot to mention, um, I also worked as a barista for a couple of years. I actually studied music in college. So, you know, there's some there's some weird little, uh, you know, other other things more, you know, that kind of maybe add some um, um, some uh, other edges to kind of my work experience as well. And um, you know, you, you'd mentioned what you're, you're doing now, but I also, um, you know, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about, um, that work that you'd, um, you had done in the past. Yeah. So, uh, my first job, I worked in a gas station <laughs> back when you had to deal with all the money and, uh, everything. And I was a Christian and, and that was my first job. I was actually fired from that job because I found some money in one of my jackets that you put on during the work day because you were handling cash all the time. Uh-huh. And I found some money in my jacket. And then um, I discovered that one of the employees was actually taking money from the till and he was trading cigarettes for drugs when the boss wasn't there. And I turned that money in and and told what was going on. 
And I got fired because I found out the manager was in on it too. <laughs> so my first real legit job, I got fired from trying to be a good Christian uh-huh. worker uh-huh. in the workplace. And I learned really quick that um, I was in a different environment. Mm. Uh, so being honest and being trustworthy and turning money in and trying to create a better environment, um, I was up against a different system. So I was quickly made aware of that. After that, uh, I worked in some pet stores, uh, art framing shop. I worked in Huntwood Industries when I lived here in Spokane for mm. some night shifts and trying to catch, you know, make money for young family. Mm. And then I also worked for a real estate company as one of their couriers and suppliers and um, all those times, full-time work and Christian and trying to figure out how to um, be a light and be an influence in very different contexts. Um, and I had a lot of different experiences. All my first initial m- missions trips that I took were when I was a full-time worker. Mm. I led small groups. Uh, I saw people uh, come to Jesus through my interactions and relationships with coworkers and I experienced a lot of conflict and uh-huh. um, difficulty in workplaces based on my faith, too. Uh, I was young and had a lot of immaturity and a lot of passion. So not all those things lined up with wisdom on how to be in the workplace. But out of that environment, uh, I moved then to full-time pastoral life for the last 25-plus years. Um, but that was my beginning. Yeah. And I think that... Um, I think that I. I don't think I will be the only one to say that uh, I appreciate that context um, for you, uh, you know, coming from the work world, uh, you know, um, just to know that, that, you know, you, you from the pulpit um, uh, can uh, have the ability to speak to and, uh, you know, understand sort of what that, you know, five day a week worker is, is kind of dealing with, um, when it comes to those subjects, like how to be a Christian in the work world, um, like we're talking about. So I appreciate that. Um, you know, we talked about what we're doing, uh, what we did last podcast, this podcast, uh, we have a lot to, to, to come up against because this is podcast number two. And so, you know, we're up against Empire Strikes Back, Temple of Doom, Cars 2, Dragons 2, for those of you who like those kind of shows. (laughs) Uh, but we're going to do our best. So uh, today we're asking the question, shouldn't everyone be pastors? Um, Eric, what was what was your first thoughts when, when I brought that question up to you? Uh, probably no, and <laughs> I wish they would. Um, par- partly no, because I don't, I don't believe, I don't have that worldview or that biblical worldview that that's the calling for everybody. Um, but but through our dialogue, there's been a realization that maybe we have different ideas about what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, as a pastor, my, my hope is that as equipping people in the church, I would equip them to be influencers and impact their world with the truth of the gospel and who Jesus is and that they would take that wherever they are. Um, and I would say I struggle that in the last 13 years, I don't think I've met anybody within my context not many people want to become pastors anymore. Um, so I've seen a change of people mm-hmm. moving away from a vocational calling full-time to mm-hmm. ministry. And I think part of that has been good, good work of helping people understand that God's mission for everyone is wherever they're at. And there's been a lot of teaching in the last few decades about that. Mm-hmm. The, the missional movement, the idea that God's called you to your business, to education, all kinds of things. 
But I think in, on the flip side, there's also been this kind of idea that, well, maybe God doesn't need me to be, doesn't need pastors or evangelists, teachers, prophets or apostles. And so I can be a Christian in any environment. I, I think there's there's been maybe an imbalance almost that there's a, a hesitancy to call people to those callings because of the idea that you can just do it four day, 40, uh, five days a week, et cetera. Right. So, so I'm kind of on both sides. I, I don't want yeah. ever anyone to think that that's their only option. But at the same time, I want to say it's a option and should be there. Figuring that balance out is often difficult for pastors. Yeah. And I think that also kind of, I mean, you're kind of touching on it here, but, um, and, and, uh, I think maybe this is a subject that we can talk about a little bit more later, but the idea of bivocation, um, you know, and, and that is, that is also uh, sort of a popular, uh, subject to talk about, sure. right. Um, that's, that's been discussed and, and maybe pushed a little bit. And, um, I'm sure that's a challenge for pastors to, um, you know, especially vocational pastors to, to sort of, um, wrestle with that, you know, should I be, you know, do I need to take another job in order to, um, support, especially for small churches? I mean, yep. um, in order for, to make this, you know, keep going or, or is, you know, where's the right place for me to be and, um, versus, uh, vocation on one side or the other. Cause that there's that, there's that middle ground as well that, you know, we, we kind of have to wrestle with as well. Yeah. And I don't, I, I know, I know personally, uh, even in this town, leaders that are not making that decision based on a, an economic one, but they're making it based on an actual value. Yeah. You know, being in the workplace, kind of maybe addressing some of the challenges that we're talking about, that if leaders are disconnected from a day-to-day workplace environment and the challenges and realities of that today, that maybe they be, they're ill-equipped to pastor people who are in that environment. Mm-hmm. So bivocational opportunities can be a increase the platform of being able to be relevant in what you're speaking to people who are dealing with that. So it really is a missional value for a lot of people too. And yeah. and maybe in the future we can bring some of those people on to share that. Yeah, definitely. Well, when I got, you know, first started thinking about this subject um, and of really talking about, you know, how to be a Christian in the work world, I realized that I have this impression uh, of so many sermons and discussions from Christian leaders who I've heard talk about the Great Commission, um, the go messages from from Jesus in Matthew 10 and Matthew 28, 18, uh, when Jesus, um, you know, you know, uh, and I'll quote it, uh, Matthew 28, 18 says, um, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So going back to growing up in the church and especially in college when I was involved in Young Life Leadership and going into my neighborhood church in, um, you know, uh, the church in in Moscow, I know, um, and and you know campus ministry uh, crew, which was then known as Campus Crusade for Christ at the time, uh, I heard this message so many times. Um, in ministry circles, it it can become a mantra, and there's a huge weight on these words of Christ: "Go and make disciples of all nations." Uh, the groups I was involved with uh, were all about this, and this was a major message. We we briefly mentioned last time the uh, limiting effect of preaching topically. And I think this is one of the consequences um, that if every preacher, you know, happens to uh, be reading the same books by the same authors uh, outside of the Bible, uh, the message to the church may be bent uh, maybe towards these subjects, whatever subject, you know, uh, those are. 
uh, as a result of this, um, kind of at the outset of my work life, uh, I had to be, you know, take a good hard look at, at my career choices. Um, you know, one of the th things that kept coming back to me was, you know, does the Bible support work in any other area of life um, after Christ came to earth than the roles of pastor, discipler, leader? Um, in other words, does the Bible give value to work other than that of pastor? Um, so, um, you know, kind of along those lines, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm currently reading, I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, you know, I've, I've been on a search. Um, and, you know, I always think to myself, well, if I'm thinking about this, uh, then other people have, have to have thought about this also. And uh, so I, I picked up a book, um, I'm reading a book right now um, called The Church in the Workplace by C. Peter Wagner. I'm just, you know, kind of gleaning some um, uh, information from him. And uh, there's an excerpt uh, that I'll, I'll read here <clears throat> from page 31 of this book, um, which I think is interesting. So it says, most brothers and sisters in Christ out in the workplace realize that they are supposed to be salt and light. They're supposed to influence their workplace environment. They have heard it in sermons time and time again, yet they feel frustrated. They wonder if they're spiritually impotent. They may have tried to be salt and light in their workplaces for 15 years, but nothing may have changed. In some instances, the atmosphere of their workplace might be worse than before. What is going on? And I think that's an interesting insight, you know. Um, I just, I think, I felt that way. You know, and I, I've never, I haven't been working in one workplace for 15 years. Um, so I can imagine that, you know, for, for folks who are listening who are in that place, that must be, very frustrating to feel like, gosh, I mean, um, what's the impact that I'm having here? Um, back in college, I was talking with an older member of my church at the time about this feeling that the only thing to do would be to be a pastor. Um, and he gave me a book uh, called Pastors and Teachers. And I tried to I tried to do an Amazon search for this book and I couldn't find it. So either it's out of print and it hasn't, you know, it's been, I don't know, it, but it's by a British author. Um, and I, I also tried to find it my bookshelf and I couldn't find it, but, um, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll do a little better search and find it next time. But, um, the basic premise of the book that I got from it was it, if you can do anything besides being a pastor, do it. Hmm. Um, and I think that what he was getting at was in that reasoning was that if you can be Christ-like to those who are not in the church, uh, rather than those in the church, um, then you should do that. And and if you really think pastoring and teaching a church is all you can or should do, um, then that's where you should be. Um, and, you know, since then I've been listening to sermons from people who have, you know, either number one, read not read that book, uh, or number two, never considered the possibility of what um, uh, Peter Wagner has called the extended church, um, or that there could be apostles uh, uh, or, you know, ministers in some way uh, for the extended church. Um, and that they haven't considered those possibilities may maybe there's no encouragement for uh, for folks who have been in those positions um, and I just you know wanted to mention I know you know uh, Peter Wagner also references um, the book um, God at Work um, is sort of an influential book uh, as well and um, so that that apparently talks about these subjects as well and I haven't read God at Work do you know who the author is of that book yeah I should mention that but I can't I don't mm, I, I okay. forgot to write it down so well Put it in the notes yeah. on one of the episode sites. Yeah. Um, but I've also talked to friends about God at Work and um, who have read that book and, and felt um, that it was a pretty influential book for them as well. So um, anyway, 
Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts about this, Eric? Well, I think a, a couple things initially. One, one would be um, when you mentioned the topical teaching of pastors. I definitely think you're you're right in that that we can get on certain hobby horses or interests. It's easy to kind of focus on what you are more interested in at that season of your life than maybe covering everything that might be in a book of the Bible. Mm. Uh, it's very very easy to miss a lot of core things that the Bible teaches when you're picking and choosing based on something that may be more influential in you or the movement you're in or the denomination or whatever. Um, but also as someone who primarily teaches, um, exegete or, uh, you know, uh, through the books of the Bible, mm -hmm. um, there's also the, 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 the same thing where you deal with there where, you know, like I said to you earlier, you know, you're you're slogging through Leviticus and you get to the other time. You, you're sometimes wondering, how, how do I connect all of this with, with someone who's going to work tomorrow? And, and, and which, so you, which we did. We, yeah, which you did. I, you I know, tried. We, we, no, that was, no, we, we went through the, all the, the Old Testament, right? So, yes. Yeah. And, and, it, and it is a challenge because you're then trying to, you're constantly trying to apply these older, you know, texts and times and cultures to the modern. So we're all, I think all leaders are wrestling with that. And sometimes maybe they go too far one way or the other. I think it's important being in dialogue with the pew as, mm -hmm. as the metaphor here to make sure that we're not missing, you know, that we're not missing that important place of application to the people. We're not just teaching history. We're, we're also trying to connect this with how someone's going to live out obedience to Jesus tomorrow. Mm. And so I think both topical and expository preachers have the same challenge. Um, I, I'd also say that I was, I was raised as a child in the Seventh-day Adventist church. I'm not Seventh-day Adventist now, and I became born again in high school and consider myself a evangelical, uh, charismatic, uh, conservative-leaning um, <laughs> puppy of mixed breed um <laughs> but in my upbringing in the sda church You're not one of, a purebred huh? i'm not a purebred uh, i am a mutt uh, um one of the things that was very part very much a part of their culture as a church was uh, medicine and education and i i pulled a few quotes from their sites just to kind of give how they kind of show how they say it because I, I was raised with understanding that Christians could serve God uh, in any capacity and any field that was building up the the human uh, person, body, soul, and spirit. Yeah. So I, I didn't encounter this kind of secular, sacred, uh, can Christians only be pastors or missionaries to really serve God until I came into the evangelical evangelical church. And it was kind of a surprise to me. And uh, one of the things they have on their site talking about, uh, this is uh, dealing with operating principles for healthcare institutions. And they say this, healthcare institutions, hospitals, medical dental clinics, nursing, retirement homes, rehabilitation centers, etc., function, and this is the part I underlined, as an integral part of the total ministry of the church. Huh. So that was the culture. So I, it was rare, it was rarely... I mean, it was really normal to hear people say, I'm going into nursing, I'm going to be a doctor, uh, I'm going to higher education to study how to be a Christian in these environments. Um, and when I came into the evangelical church and heard people wrestling with this kind of like, is it even right? Mm -hmm. And I started hearing about social gospel and that, you know, you're more, you're going to be a, a progressive liberal if you care about anything other than people's 
uh, immaterial soul. You know, that if, you, if you're concerned about their body, and, and I always, I, I reference this with you, I thought it was really interesting, especially with education, that, you know, somehow being a teacher might somehow less, be less of an authentic Christian ministry. And I think we're trying to get people to read the Bible. Why would it be wrong to have people who are Christians teaching people how to read? <laughs> if, if we want them to read the Bible, we, we should also be involved in teaching them how to actually read and read well and be... Uh, educated in that capacity, which we know historically the church has always been involved in those institutions. We started most of them. I don't know where the disconnect came in the modern, postmodern era where we started de-emphasizing uh, the value of living Christian lives vocationally in mm. all kinds of different spheres. Mm. Um, the verse that I, I think is is important in this when I think about the subject is where Peter's or Paul talks to um, the Thessalonian Christians and he says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet, calm, and peaceful life as you mind your own business and earn your living, just as we taught you. So so right there, in my mind, hmm. Paul's teaching just the church people to mind their own business, uh, live quiet and peaceful lives, and earn a living. Mm-hmm. I, I think what happens often in the church is we read the new, the old, the New Testament narratives and we take on the story like it's our story. You know, like what's what's being said to Paul, what's being said to Peter, what's being said to Moses is somehow what God is always saying to us. Mm. And we don't see like that guy was a, an evangelist or that was an apostle or God said it to that church. Mm. We translate and apply all of our Bible reading as if God's saying it always to us. Hmm. And I think where we fail to see is that there's not a lot of discussion in the New Testament New Testament about what God expects of believers in their day-to-day life that isn't moral or social or family-centric. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of discussion about evangelism. There's not a lot of discussion about discipleship. Most of all those discussions are Paul's letters to pastors who he's training. Mm-hmm. It's to church leaders. It's to how to do church work. And yet, so often we take all of that and think, oh, well, how am I supposed to do this if I'm a lunch lady at the school? Yeah. Uh, so I think, again, t- to reference your initial points, those are some of the challenges. And I, that's why I think this conversation is so important is because I think we have blind sight uh, issues with this subject. Yeah. Yeah, and along those lines, I mean, you, you know, um, obviously from the pew, we can become blinded in in trying to apply, um, you know, so much of that conversation to ourselves, um, you know, and I think that probably I'm, I'm, you know, we're all human uh, from the from the pulpit. That can be, you know, difficult. I'm sure as well. Um, it it is a challenge because uh, I. You know, as many sermons as I've sat through um, and and listened to online, and and you know, I'm always trying to sort of apply what I hear. Um, and you know, I've I've read through the, you know, I've read through the Bible several times. So it's it's a you know what? Why am I not connecting these things? Why am I not sort of applying this um, um, this this context uh, for you know just I guess just that underlying sort of realization that we can be doing um god's work just by being um whatever we wherever we are um and so um you know it, it i'm 
you know, I, I feel like what I'm doing, uh, in my work world is, um, is appropriate and, um, and, and, and the right thing to be doing for me. Um, and, you know, I know that that's, that's sort of another subject of, of, you know, what if you're in the work world and you're, and you don't feel passionate about what you're doing? Um, how do you get to a place? How do you build your resume? How do you, you know, how do you build yourself up so that you can be doing the, the, the thing that God, you feel like God is calling you to do uh, eventually, or maybe, you know, I know that this is uh, fairly common for, for young people, especially is that question of, um, you know, what am I supposed to do? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, maybe you don't feel like, you know, being a pastor is a, is the thing you're supposed to do, but something. Um, and so what am I supposed to do if you're starting from ground zero? I had a conversation with someone after the service yesterday, uh, asking for prayer about discerning what they're supposed to do after a job fair. They, you know, he's, he's come out of a program. He's got a lot of options, uh, to, to possibly do. And he was kind of like, I don't know what God wants me to do. What, what does God want me to do, uh, with the future? And, I think some of those thoughts come from sometimes we kind of view choice as some kind of either or, you know, and and I told him, I said, you know, if God said for you to go to Seattle, you have a lot of roads you could pick to get to Seattle. <laughs> uh-huh. They would all get you there. Maybe one faster, slower, one more, you know, beautiful to travel, one less, uh, one, you know, longer, shorter, whatever. I said, if you view God's direction as I want you to go to Seattle and I want you to take I-90. Mm-hmm. And if you don't take I-90, you're wrong and out of God's will. Mm-hmm. You've made that whole decision about the future much more difficult. Mm-hmm. If you feel like God says going to Seattle, but you can pick any road, I've given you the wisdom and the discernment process of who you are, what your likes and dislikes, your skills, your talents, opportunities, education, um, you know, area of the country, what's thriving, what businesses are really doing well, all these kind of things. And and you just pick a road, but all of them are God's will in the sense of just get to Seattle. That's a much more free and less stressful kind of anxiety. Yeah. Um, I think too often we're, we're, we're kind of like that either or, and we want God to somehow tell us in a capacity that um, then we just obey by doing it. Yeah. Um, and, and he has the freedom to do that, but I think we need to equip people to not think about their lives in such a constraining, constricted way, but to realize God has called us to just do good, live truthful lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have to figure out how to do that wherever we're at. Yeah. If I'm at a job that is a, a transition job or that's my final kind of calling or whatever, we're all facing those struggles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, this has been a great conversation and I think that, um, you know, there's, there's more to talk about. And I also think, I mean, you and I have talked, uh, a, a couple different things, um, that I want to bring up before we're, we're done. But one, one thing is, I think that it's important the realization that, you know, God is at work, um, in his people, um, re- just by, just by being his people. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that, um, you know, I, I told you that, you know, just in coming up in pre- preparation for having this conversation with you, just that realization that, you know, sometimes I have to remind myself of uh, that the Holy Spirit is at work. Um, it, you, and I, it's, I'm sometimes ashamed that I have to remind myself of that, but um, that, that God's light can shine through us um, even, 
regardless of what we're doing, mm-hmm. uh, as long as we're sort of just, you know, uh, being, yeah. um, and so that doesn't, that doesn't put any constraint on, on when and where, um, that's, you know, that's for, for all purposes in all places. Um, so I think that's an important sort of point to make, um, when we talk about this, this subject of should everyone be pastors or is it okay to be in the work world? Um, and, um, and, and I, and I appreciate the, you know, the context, um, you know, reading through the, the New Testament and, uh, you know, maybe I, maybe I need to read through it again and just have, you know, have a different, um, thought process about it. Um, like we said, there's other, there's other conversation I think to be had about this. Um, I, uh, you and I talked about, and I think for next time, uh, we're going to bring some people in, uh, to the conversation and, um, and hopefully, um, get some more perspective on this, um, from, both people who have wrestled with this same question and also uh, from, you know, people who have never wrestled with this question. And this seems like a silly question to even ask, like mm. um, either either people who are maybe pastors and they just, you know, it's clearly, well, this is what I'm doing. Or, you know, I, why would why would you why would I pastor? I'm never, you know, I'm just going to clearly I'm just going to go about, you know, my business, whatever that is, mm. um, either entrepreneur or um you know, or, or worker in one way or the other. So I think that's going to be a good conversation I'm looking forward to having. Absolutely. And I think in closing to answer the question, should everybody be a pastor? I think my answer would be no, but everybody is supposed to be an influencer for Mm. Christ. Mm. And that influence can be verbal, but it it is most often nonverbal. It's the type of person you are in whatever workplace you're in or, or whatever environment you're in living out your life, that we build those bridges for potential conversations about the truth of who Jesus is and what he wants for each person's life by the type of people we are. And that builds the platform. And I think a lot of pastors' work is directed at trying to build quality people who 